I'm the fantasy pharmacist, and I'm prescribing you championships. for checking into the fantasy pharmacist i'm your host charlie mcmanus and this is the third and final preview episode of the week eight games we'll be going over the sunday four o'clock games and also the sunday night game between the epic nfc east teams um other than that we're just going to dive straight into the games but you know follow the twitter at fantasy farmer pharma p-h-a-r-m-a and all that good stuff and shoot me any questions or whatever there and other than that let's get going so the first game that we'll look at is the chargers uh la chargers versus the denver broncos game the chargers are favored to win at minus three and the over under is set at 44 and a half for the chargers they have their right end ingram coming back from injuries finally he's been injured for a while on ir um, which is excellent so that's going to be a huge addition to the defense they now have bosa and ingram coming off the edges there so that is a fearsome defensive line now a little bit weaker in the middle but they do have one good defensive tackle in joseph so pretty solid defensive line the Uh, unfortunately for their offense is a little bit injured still on that right side turner is going to be missing their right guard and balaga is questionable still if he plays that's huge he's by far their best offensive lineman and such an important player at the tackle position the all-important tackle position and you know what is herbert's not left-handed is he justin herbert is that Burrow? I'm pretty sure there's a lefted, left-handed. Uh, I forget. Anyway, I was gonna say, you know, if there's a left-handed uh, quarterback, then the right tackle is more important than the left tackle there. But either way, um, it's important having having that tackle there. So look for Belaga if he's playing. But either way. Um, I do think this is going to be a poor fantasy outlook for the running backs, looking at Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly. Um, You know, it's hard to predict either way with them, who's going to be starting, who's going to be getting the majority of the carries we saw last week, um, how frustrating it can be for any of you owners who own either one of them or probably both of them. Um, So it's going to be tough, and I would try to avoid them this week. Even though they have a a nice matchup with Denver, and they should be you know, leading and winning here, um, Denver's defense is actually pretty solid um, against the run, even though I personally don't understand why. Like Personnel-wise, they don't have these mega awesome players, especially on the front seven, but they've just been coached well, I guess, and and they're playing out of their minds, and and they're they're playing really well. Um, They are... I believe they are, yeah, they're top five in pass rush efficiency, and they're like a top 15 in rushing, so pretty good. Um, Or, you know, at least not terrible. And so I don't really love these running backs. Plus, I think the Chargers have found Herbert's key to success, who is just chucking it downfield. I love seeing him throw. I love seeing him be confident and throwing it downfield so much 
early in his career is going to be great. Um, both of these wide receivers are going to be needed in the win against Denver. Uh, Denver has pretty good cornerbacks in A.J. Bouye and the Callahan. Um, Bouye coming back from injury there too. So I, they're definitely going to be needing both Williams and Keenan Allen to be making a mark. Hunter Henry, I don't think is going to be tough or don't it's going to be tough i don't think he's gonna have a great game denver's pretty good really good actually against tight end surprisingly good and running back so i do think the wide wide receivers have to shine for the chargers to pull this one out and i think they do and of course herbert has to play well um now that could be an issue because as we've seen the you know or, or as we saw denver has a top five pass rush um or like adjusted sack rate which is uh that's not very good news obviously for for herbert and fortunately for herbert he's fairly well protected the chargers are a middle of the tier um offensive line and protecting their quarterback not getting sacked but that also is a little bit due to the mobility of, of their quarterback so that's going to be an interesting um an interesting aspect of the game to see because if Denver can get some pressure, then this entire offense could really could really uh, go downhill if, if Herbert can't adjust in to the pace of that the speed of the game, get the ball out quickly. But I think he does. Denver, when they have the ball, the right side of their offensive line is hurt really bad. Um, well, hurt and on COVID, so the right side's looking pretty bad. Their left guard is also questionable, so not a very good offensive line. They have bad tackles, and like we talked about earlier, the Chargers now have two great edge rushers that are healthy, and they're going to be coming. So it's going to be a long day for Locke, I imagine. The pass, um, the pass rush has yet to be great for the Chargers. But I do think that's so much of um, injuries play a role in that. I'm pretty sure Bosa was even uh, banged up for a couple of weeks there. Um, so, and, uh, yeah. So I do think that the pass rush is going to be coming. I think it's going to be effective against this weak Denver offensive line. The run game, I think they're going to use it, Denver, just so that they have to keep the pass rush a little bit more honest. Um but only minimally, minimally successful with Gordon and Lindsay there. So I do think they try to put it in the, the hands of Locke and get it to Judy. Judy's shown, though, that he is that awesome wide receiver one target that Locke can go to. So I do like Judy in this matchup. Um, it's the Chargers. They have really good cornerbacks, as you know. But Denver has to – they have to move the ball somehow. Um you know, Fant is also another interesting uh, option here. The Chargers aren't great against tight ends. They're kind of like a middle, they're like a slightly below average team when it comes to tight end defense. So um, I would not be surprised if Noah Fant has a great week. And if you have him, you're probably starting him anyway. Um, but either way, I do think the Chargers win this one out. Uh, I'm taking them minus three, and I'm taking them straight up. I'm not super, super confident just because neither of these two teams are really that great, and we've seen the Chargers um, lose a lot this year. So it's hard to be confident in either one of these teams. But I think the Chargers go into Denver and they get the job done. But I'm going to take the under at 44.5. I think it's a close game and a low-scoring game. Um I think Denver struggles to move the ball, and I think the Chargers, I think Herbert struggles a little bit more than what he's shown these past couple weeks when he's just been on fire. So again, that's LAC, the Chargers taking a minus three straight up, and I'm taking the under in this game.
All right, let's go to the second game of the episode. This is New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints at the uh, Chicago Bears. For this game, you know, two have been really, really excellent teams, but now some really struggling offenses. For New Orleans, um, Michael Thomas is not playing. Emmanuel Sanders is not playing because of COVID. And Callaway, they're, you know, like not breakout, but for last week, breakout wide receiver um, who had like a ton of targets, great, lots of receptions, he's out. So it's hard to really know who they're going to be going to other than Kamara. I do think Jared Cook is going to be a lot more involved in this offense. If I had to guess a wide receiver, I would say Traquan Smith is probably the most likely. Um, He's always been that... Uh, talked about target you know that third fourth man on the depth chart um and he's been getting like decent targets since um you know michael thomas has been out just hasn't gotten the the majority of them so it's hard to start any of them with confidence i wouldn't um definitely not against chicago so uh avoid 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 everyone on new orleans except for kamara and maybe maybe jared cook as well because again they they got to get it done um It'll be ugly though, and when they do score, um, but they, I mean they they will score on Chicago still, and you know it's Drew Brees he'll get it done he'll find open receivers or he'll make receivers be open and they probably will have shorter fields too because I don't think Chicago's offense is going to be very good if um, Khalil Mack is out as well uh, obviously huge he's a little bit um, questionable this week so make sure to follow uh, follow that up Chicago now has some pretty serious middle of the offensive line problems um they really only have tackles now and those tackles are okay with the loss of Allen robinson that is going to hurt majorly he is one of the best wide receivers in the league and like one of the best receivers for a team like this so anthony miller has to get going um or someone i'm not really sure if he's going to get going especially against a tough new orleans defense um Honestly, it's probably really spread the offense between Anthony Miller and Mooney and Patterson and Jimmy Graham, like all fairly evenly. I wouldn't really start any of them. Definitely not against New Orleans. Um, this is going to be a tough New Orleans defense, and I think that the defense stops them often. It's a pretty healthy defense as well, so really unfortunate for Chicago. Um, fortunate for all, all those players, though, and their families. Um, but you know uh i they just don't get it done i don't think it's a low scoring game that new orleans wins out so i'm taking new orleans minus four and a half i'm taking new orleans straight up and the under for this game is one of my favorite uh bets of the week i'm taking even though it's 43 and a half that's already pretty low i think this is going to be an abysmal game unless we get a couple of defensive scores or something um i think this is i think this is an ugly one so definitely take that under Going to the third game of the week, we have the Sanford, or not game of the week, but game of this episode. We have, in the last 4 o'clock game of Sunday, we have the Seattle Seahawks against, um, or sorry, the San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored to win by 3, and the over-under set at 54. Uh, when San Francisco has the ball, they have a very, very strong tight end, or not tight end unit, sorry, tackles. Um, but they're pretty weak in the middle of their offensive line, similar to Chicago, but think of 
stronger all around. Um, Hasty should get the main role in this backfield now with Mostert out, Coleman out, um, and Wilson out. I don't think McKinnon's never, they've never used McKinnon as this full time workload back. So I think Hasty can be that, and McKinnon stays in that, you know, heavy passing role. Um, I think it's a huge, huge IU game here, um, especially with uh, the cornerback and potentially strong safety for Seattle, which is Griffin and potentially Adams at, at safety. I don't think Adams is going to miss, but Griffin is going to miss. So this already bad secondary just lost their far and away best cornerback, uh, unless you think Dunbar is amazing. And that, I mean... <laughs> That that's scary for this. If I was this defensive coordinator, um, just because they've already given up so much, uh, Seattle has been very very good though against tight end. They've offered up the third most or least points to tight end as far as fantasy goes. So it might be a little bit tougher for Kittle than some might imagine against this team that's been thrown on so much. But this is Kittle we're talking about. I mean, he's the best tight end in the league, in my opinion. And Seattle has faced very little competition as far as tight end. They faced Atlanta Week 1, who they did, they weren't throwing to Hurst yet. Uh, New England, who doesn't even have tight end, really. Dallas, who I believe just killed him with wide receiver in that game. And they didn't, they didn't use either Jarwin or... Um, um, oh, my gosh. Schultz right Dalton Schultz um I don't think either in that game Miami uh I do think uh, Gasicki tore him up with Miami but then like Minnesota and Arizona don't have great tight ends either so again I think that might be a little skewed in that sense um and I think Kittle has a great game and if you have Kittle you're obviously starting him so it doesn't really matter um but I think like Kittle you might be able to get a discount on daily because he might be perceived as going up a tough defense that I don't think is that tough. But maybe not because it's Seattle. Um, but the thing is, can they keep up? Can this offense keep up with Seattle, though? Because without Debo Samuel, that's a big loss for this offense. He's been looking great every time he's played. Um, but, you know, this isn't like this powerhouse offense. Anytime they've won, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is Seattle we're talking about. So when Seattle has the ball, um, San Francisco's defense is kind of hurt as well. They're missing still Richard Sherman, another cornerback. Jason Fred, I believe, is healthy and fine, thankfully, after that scare. But their safeties are banged up. Uh, their strong safety tart is doubtful to play. Quan Alexander is doubtful to play. Their outside linebacker, D4, their uh, right end is doubtful. No, he's not doubtful. He's on IR. So... This is also a beat-up 49ers defense, but they're also a pretty deep defense, so it it's not as as big of a deal for all of those people missing. Uh, the biggest ones are safety. They don't have great safety replacements. Um, <laughs> honestly, for every other injury I just listed, they kind of have a replacement. Obviously, it's a replacement, so they're not as good, but they're not they're not bad really. Um, so, but the secondary still can be exposed. We're talking about Russell Wilson here and Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Um, the run game should be successful enough because San Francisco is not great against the run. Uh, but, and, you know, they, they're going to have to play the wide receivers in the pass game so much. But both of these wide receivers are going to be used really well, I think, and pretty evenly between Metcalf and Lockett. 
Um, but I do feel like this is slightly more of a locket game again, just with San Francisco safeties helping um, if they do play protect the deep ball and just the general game script. If the safeties miss though, um, DK could just go absolutely off against this defense. Um, I'm really curious if Jason Verrett, if they put him on DK because Jason Verrett's been playing really well. Um, so we'll see. Either way, though, I just don't think they can keep up with Seattle. I think Seattle is just such a good offense. And as good as Seattle or San Francisco's defense and offense both are as a well-rounded team, it's just hard to stop. For them, unless they're fully healthy, it's hard to stop an elite, elite team in either offense or defense like the Seattle Seahawks are on offense. So I'm taking the Seahawks minus three. I'm taking the Seahawks straight up, and I'm taking the under for this game at 54. But to be honest, I don't really feel super strongly about any of them. Um, or I feel less strongly about the under than I do about uh, Seattle. I feel fairly confident in Seattle. All right, last game of the episode. Woohoo! Last game of the three-part previews. This is the Sunday night game, the epic showdown between the poor, poor, injured Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia are currently 10-point favorites, um, and the over-under is set at 43. When Dallas has the ball, um, I mean it's this is so unfortunate um they're facing for this game in particular they're facing another good d-line in philadelphia and their offensive line is still super injured um for the rest of their season they're not going to have a good center or a good right tackle or a good left guard they're just not um and then currently their left tackle Brandon Knight had to have surgery so he's missing the next couple of weeks so the only position that might be good is if Zach Martin the right guard plays I believe he is going to play and that would be huge um especially in most weeks like that he alone is maybe good enough to to give this Cowboys team with all of their offensive pieces enough of a chance to just not be abysmal like we've seen I mean they've scored 13 points in the past two weeks three against washington which washington's defense is like the one of the worst matchups for them but then 10 against arizona i mean that defense is not that good so this i don't think this offense is this bad but when they go up against a team like washington with that pass rush and unfortunately for them i think philadelphia um it's not going to be good philadelphia has is top five in adjusted sack rate and at stopping the run so really good against the pass and the run they're going to be giving dallas so many problems that's like the one the one there are many ways to beat this dallas team now but like that is the absolute kryptonite to them if you have a strong pass rush game over so this is just another game of dallas not being able to do anything really um and for philadelphia they get jason peters back so they actually kind of have a good offensive line now if everyone can stay healthy. They have Peters at left tackle, Kelsey at center, and Johnson at right tackle. All three of those guys are great offensive linemen. Um, you know, really good offensive linemen. Now their guards are still trash. Um, I, I, because, because their guards, I mean, their guards aren't great in the first place, but they're also missing. Um, so their backups are in, and their backups are not, I mean, they're just, they're, people you never heard of and and people that don't have much experience at all um but when they are playing in between players like kelsey johnson and peters uh it makes them a lot better so that is nice um and like i said when if you have that one three five um you know kind of 
uh, spacing in the offensive line. If you only have three good players, if they're at the tackles and center, that's excellent. So I absolutely love, 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 love Boston Scott in this one. With Sanders out, I think he's going to have a huge game. You know I loved Boston Scott preseason, and I thought that first week of his was kind of fluky where he didn't get all the work. It was great to see him last week kill it. I think he absolutely kills it with Dallas again, both in efficiency but also because of game script. I think he's going to get a ton of carries, ton of work. Um, they might start working in more running backs again just because I think they're going to be so up and there is some injury concern with Scott. Um, Fulgham, Travis Fulgham, or not Travis Fulgham, um, Jason Fulgham? I need to, I should know his first name. I'm looking it up right now. Jalen. No, not Jalen Rager. No, it is Travis Fulgham. Okay. For some reason, I have Jay Fulgham on depth chart there for eagles it's not even close to t um anyway um travis fulgham is going to absolutely eat um other than that it's kind of hard to predict who else in this offense is going to do well obviously the tight ends are not playing alshon jeffrey's still missing jalen rager's still missing so between ward and and fulgham and, and everyone well like i said fulgham is going to eat and then with, with everyone else i think it's going to be hard to predict and i don't think it's going to be worth it because i do think they're just going to run all over dallas once they get up um well, you know, I say that, but the Eagles have actually, it's been a short season, but they have thrown even when they've had the lead in games, so, which has not been that many times, but, um, so, and, and when they're going up against Dallas with this, how many offensive pieces, and because it's a NFC East divisional game and everything, and there's so much on the line, especially between, because both of these teams are probably likely to one of them go to the playoffs out of the NFC East, um, they're going to be playing through to the end. So, but I still don't think, I mean, if you want to take a chance on one of these Philadelphia receivers, uh, go ahead. But that is not something that I would want to do. Um, yeah, all right. That pretty much covers it. Um, oh, no, I have to tell you, I'm taking Philadelphia uh, minus 10. I am taking Philadelphia straight up. I think it is, I, I, that minus 10 is scary. That's a high number to get. Um but I do think they get it done. I'm taking the under at 43. So all four games this episode, I'm taking the under at. Um, this is a big spread, minus 10, to take the under at at 43, uh, especially with a low under. But I can so easily see Philadelphia winning this game, like 21 to 7 um, or something like that. So Or 17 to 7 or something. So. Uh, yeah, I, I feel decently confident with all three of those. But again, the only actual favorite bet of this episode is the no, um, New Orleans at Chicago under 43 and a half. Um, yeah, other than that, hope you've enjoyed these previews. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad I was able to get these out a little bit earlier. Please check the Twitter for uh, the visual breakdown of all the picks and lines and all of my favorites and everything like that. It'll also have the season totals, which are going well. Um, if you're curious, I can give you a quick update on that one second. My season totals for ATS, I'm currently plus 15 on that. For straight up, I'm plus 18, but I've only been doing that for three weeks now. So uh, I'm 30 and 12 in those three weeks. Over under, I'm plus one. So that's been tough for me. It's been fun. That was not an area that I really thought I was going to be great at. I kind of realized at you know, at the beginning of doing these podcasts that I should do over unders. Um, 
So it's honestly not something I've looked at at all, and I've just been trying to figure it out throughout the season. Um, so the fact that I'm at even plus one, basically even for that, uh, I'm thrilled. Hopefully, hopefully I get the hang of that, though. And then my favorites are doing really well, which I'm proud of. I'm uh, 15-3-1 for those, so um, winning higher than 80% at mark, so I'm loving that. Hopefully I continue this week. I'm putting a lot of favorites out in these games. I think I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven favorite bets this week. Um, we'll see if I dwindle those down for the official list to maybe only five or four or so. Um, and maybe I find one in the Monday night game that I really like. But uh, I've also just realized um, most of the time I have favorites that I don't include. They hit. So I might just start putting them out there anyway because I think they're still likely to hit. I mean, so far. It's only been seven weeks, though. So. Um, but, yeah. All right. Thank you for listening, people. Really appreciate it. Hope you do, too. Let's go. Uh, let's win some money. Let's win some games. All right. Peace out. Thank you.